you are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. So welcome to Common Ground Church, where I'm learning more and more every Sunday, well, every day, actually, that there's nothing very common uh, about this church. Um, we don't dress up. You know, I, I think the only person I've seen wear a tie in this place has been Justin Gwynn. And he can pull it off because he's so GQ, you know. <laughs> but, you know, but it, it's not that, you know, that we show up in blue jeans and flannels and things like that. It's what I'm learning is, is we don't dress up in the sense that we feel like when we come here we have to put on a mask, like everything's okay. And isn't that human nature, though? To just yeah, I'm okay. It's it's all right and everything. And Mary, I just thank you so much, Mary, for um, there you are <laughs> for trusting us with that story. And thank you for being our sister here. We love you. And uh, let us know what time the surgery is. Uh, let me know, and we just know that when you go in, there's going to be a whole bunch of people praying at that hour, that time for you. Okay. Um, so yeah, and, and really, I mean, what we're about here at Common Ground, I hope that, uh, that you're all discovering along with me, is, is that it's okay not to be okay, because it's up to Christ, it's not up to us. Uh, when we try to, to do it ourselves, that's when we get into trouble, and that's when we run into despair and distress and those sort of things, and that's what tends to really mess us up, and, and it's good to get that focus back on Christ. So we are now entering into our Advent series. We missed last Sunday. I missed you guys. I, I Sorry I wasn't there to help you dig out because I couldn't even dig myself out. But uh, it, it's weird. I feel like a whole month of Sundays has gone by instead of just one. So now I'm like trying to figure out, well, how do I, you know, because we have four messages before Advent and, and we missed one. How do I put two together and even speak after what Mary said? But I'm going to try. Um, this series is, is called A Weary World Rejoices. Anybody know where that comes from? Yeah, it comes from a song. Anybody know what song? Okay, everybody's just trying to sing Christmas carols in your head. Oh, Holy Night. Yeah, Oh, Holy Night. So um, there's some things in that song that kind of direct us towards some really deep spiritual truths and uh, um, things that are good to know. There's lines out of that song, other than a weary world rejoices, um, like to our weakness, he is no stranger. Or another line, the soul felt its worth. And so I'm kind of trying to figure out how to merge those two ideas together today. Uh, and I think Mary just kind of launched us into that very, very well. It's, this world we live in, it's, it's a world that's weary. If we just think about it, and, and it's weary because we're weary. And if, if we would just admit it, there's probably a lot of things we are just sick and tired of, right? You know, I, I could probably open it up and say, tell me something you're sick and tired of, and that would take the next half an hour. Uh, you know, politics, you know, all that kind of thing. Uh, we're just, we're just beat down. We really are. And, and that's the human condition. We're, 
wore out. I, of all things, I came across a Coldplay song. They just released a new album later. I don't know what you think about Coldplay. Sometimes I like them, sometimes I don't. Um, sometimes I'm like, what in the world are you even singing about? I just don't get the lyrics. Apparently it's an inside joke to the guy who's writing them, but sometimes they, they just hit on some stuff. And there's this album called Everyday Life, and the, 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 title, the, the titular song out of that is Everyday Life, of course. And, and it's, it's really interesting because I thought as I listened to that, it, it illustrates um, this weariness that we have. Uh, I'm not going to sing the song, but I, I'm just going to read some of the lyrics here. It says, it starts off with like three questions. What in the world are we going to do? Because that's the whole concept behind this album is they're looking at a lot of issues that are going on in this world and they're like, what is happening to us? And it says, what in the world are we going to do? Look at what everybody's going through. What kind of world do you want it to be? Am I the future or the history? So he's talking, he's hitting on this thing, our place in this world and how is it affecting us and how can we maybe affect this world? And then we get to the chorus, which really kind of hurts because it's a fairly accurate description of what life is like on this planet. Because everyone hurts, everyone cries, everyone tells each other all kinds of lies. Everyone falls, everyone dreams and doubts. Got to keep dancing when the lights go out, and and that's the line that always gets me because it's kind of like okay, it's it's a dark world, but I'm just going to dance, and not in the idea like I've got it all together, but I just want people to think that I've got it together, that I'm not really as broke down, or I'm not as really desperate, or I'm not really as distressed as um, as I really am. How in the world am I going to see you as my brother and not my enemy? That was the third question in this song. Uh, Really hitting on some some pertinent stuff here that I think is good for us to talk about. So I want to take us to Matthew 26. I know we're talking about Christmas and the birth of baby Jesus and all that, but it's outside of the Christmas story that I think we really begin to understand why the Christmas story? Why the Christmas story? Why Luke chapter 2 and angels and shepherds and uh, all those kind of things? I was trying to define, you know, as I look at, you know, Advent talks about hope and peace and love and joy. And I thought maybe to better understand those four things, I should look at the opposite of those things. So like the the opposite of hope is despair. Uh, The opposite of peace is distress. And uh, I, I found this definition. It wasn't hard to do. I used Google. Um, it, talked, it says that distress is a restless, distracted, shrinking from some trouble or thought of trouble, which nevertheless cannot be escaped. And, and I thought, man, that, that really is. Our mind goes there a, a lot. And I think Mary just shared a story about a lot of distress. And when you combine that to despair, it leads into a, a shrinking into hopelessness. And, and, and that's our world. That's, that's humanity. That's, that's what we're living in. That's who we rub shoulders with every single day. Is people that are carrying that, that weight and they're shrinking in on themselves, uh, with that. And here's the thing about Jesus. 
uh, Christmas is really a celebration about the incarnation. That's a theological, doctrinal term. It just basically means the taking on of flesh. Where the creator of this universe stepped down from the throne of heaven, so to speak, and veiled his glory with this, a human body. And he walked amongst us. We know that from John chapter 1. I kind of like the way the message uh, relates that to us, that Jesus took on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And he lived with us and he, and he dwelt with us. And when you read the Gospels, here's some things that you're going you're gonna to learn about Jesus Christ, is that God subjected himself to the weaknesses of humanity, yet without sin. Okay? He suffered the same temptations, the same weaknesses, the same thing that drives all of us over the edge into a life of despair and distress and darkness, yet he did that without sin. He did not succumb. And he had to do that so that he would be the sufficient sacrifice on the cross. He, he, only he, he alone could do what we could not do. All right? But I think we sometimes forget, you know, because Jesus was God, we just think that he was like Superman. You know, if you shot at Clark Kent, the bullet would bounce off of his, off of his body because he was Superman underneath. But the reality is that Jesus was God and at the same time completely human. And in being completely human, he knew the sphere of human weakness. Like I said, if you read through the Gospels, here's the very first thing. Uh, When he was born, he was absolutely and completely dependent upon sustenance and protection provided by Mary and Joseph. Can you imagine that? The God of the universe being dependent upon this young Nazarene couple. A carpenter with rough hands. A teenage girl that's never had a baby before. And that's God in their hands. As we read through the Gospels, we see that there were many times where Jesus became weary. He could take naps in the middle of storms. I'd like to think that's the spiritual gift that I adopted from him. (laughs) He experienced hunger. And thirst, he wept several times. He bled and he felt agony. He knew the pain of grief. I mean, there there was actually a time when his heart almost caved in. When you're reading through the, uh, the story of him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it says that angels came and ministered to him during that time. Uh, he was actually sweating blood. And that's, that's, a, that's a human uh, physical condition. And what's happening is that you are so stressed out, your blood vessels are starting to enlarge, and they come into contact with sweat glands, and blood passes through your sweat glands. And medical experts say that whenever a human being experiences that, they usually die. The stress killed them. Okay? So before going to the cross, and this is the part I don't get, this is a mystery to me because I don't think any one of us here could ever imagine what it's like to be the holy, sinless, uncreated God subjecting himself to crucifixion. 
And not just crucifixion, not just the pain of a, of a nail going through his wrists or spiking through his feet. Uh, not just the, the, the uh, uh, self-suffocation because you can't stand on the nails and so your internal organs press up against your lungs. <laughs> it was a man, diabolical what man can come up with to do to one another. And, and that's what Jesus subjected himself. And, and you think that's bad enough. This is the thing that, that we cannot imagine, is that in that instant, he was going to experience separation from God the Father. That somehow the Trinity that has never been broken through all of, uh, that has never been broken through all of eternity, there was going to be an instant where the Father somehow turned away from the Son. And it was in that instant that all of our sins, every single member of humanity's sins was placed on Him. And He, in essence, became sin on the cross to pay the price that we could not pay. Nobody could imagine the distress, the anguish, the despair that that would put in Jesus' life. So, when we look at Matthew chapter 26, go back to verse 36, or up to verse 36. It was before the prayer, it was before he sweat blood. It was the night before he goes to the cross. When this baby that was born and then laid wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger and adored by shepherds and worshipped by, by magi, um, glorious, sung by angels. <laughs> it, it was that baby that was named Jesus, and it says in verse 36 that he went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and became anguished and distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved, even to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. This is the thing that I find just so absolutely staggering, stunning, astounding, and marvelous about Jesus. You will find no other God presented to mankind that can say to you and me, no matter what we're walking through in life, hey, I can relate. Absolutely everything that distresses us, absolutely everything that causes despair in our life, he is absolutely able to say, yes, I can relate. And I I know I've heard people say, yeah, but what about sin? Because Jesus was sinless. He can't relate to that. I mean, I'm given into temptation. We heard Mary's story, and, we're in, and that was our story. We could all echo a lot of the same things that she was saying there. And we said, how can Jesus relate to that? Because somehow when he was on the cross, that was when he experienced it. Your sin and my sin and the ugly cost of that separation from God. In essence, while Jesus was on the cross, while that baby born and laid in a manger, was on the cross. He experienced hell. You know, we we always talk about hell and we think fire, we think little cartoon devils with forked tails and pitchforks and those kind of things. But, you know, really, you know, that's, that's just a cartoonish 
caricature the reality of hell as eternal, never-ending separation from God. No knowledge of His mercy, no knowledge of His grace, no knowledge of His goodness, no knowledge of His compassion. It's, it's impossible to experience those things when you're separated from Him. And that's why that baby screamed on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was a scream of a soul experiencing hell. So again, no matter what it is we've faced in life, no matter what it is we might be walking through right now, no matter what we might step into in the days to come, nowhere else in this world are you going to find someone who can say what Jesus can say. I know. I can relate. When, when you think that, that your sin or you think that your failure or you, you think that other people's sins has completely and utterly destroyed you and there's nobody else in the world and you're absolutely alone in that, you're not. Because Jesus is always there. How did you say that, Mary? That, that hold that he had on your heart. Man, that was a, a beautiful concept there. And, and that's the thing I think what we need to remember, especially during Christmas time. I don't care how much you decorate a basement, it's still a basement. And the decorations will come down. This is pretty cool, I like that. And we light up the downtown streets, but it's still downtown and there's still homeless people freezing to death on those streets. We bring a tree into our homes. Isn't that a weird custom? <laughs> Cut down a tree and bring it to our homes and let it drop pine needles everywhere. You know, we leave it there till March or something. <laughs> then it's firewood. I don't know what it is. I, I just love Christmas so much that when it's time to box up all the ornaments, I actually go into a grieving process. <laughs> I do. I, I just I don't know what that is. And maybe what it is, maybe I do know what it is. Uh, maybe what it is, is it's like I've, I've put down all the trappings of this very beautiful thing, this season we call Christmas, this gift of God's Son to us that we would not perish but have everlasting life. And, and we're in a way kind of boxing that up and being reminded that this world really is a dark place without all the Christmas lights. It really does have kind of a foul smell when the pine or the balsam for people that use real trees or your candles, I guess, you know, uh, <laughs> when, when those are boxed away. We remember that, yeah, this world is broken. And I, I think it's a really good thing to remember as we enter into Christmas, Christmas and when we talk about peace and hope and love and joy, that we also remember that there are people who know the opposite of these things. And we talk about peace and we talk about hope, that there are souls that are enduring great distress. There, 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 there are souls that are lost in despair. And God has given us, as His children, the opportunity to say, you know what? There is a God. And He not just loves you, He, he, he not only cares so deeply for you, He can relate. That's the story that we're told throughout all the Bibles, that God is not this far-off, unknown deity. 
this this obscurity that that that, that we just can't relate with. That God has eternally been in a relationship. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have been doing some kind of waltz throughout all of eternity. And then he decided, let's make mankind in our image. And and when he says that, he's saying, let's invite them to the dance. And, And that's what we're created for. We were created to relate with this God. And we were created to relate with one another as we do that. But you see, sin is what breaks that relationship. And there's no answer that you or or I have that will take care of that sin within ourselves. And so the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they had this plan even before they created the universe. And that plan involved a baby and swaddling clothes in a manger. A baby that would know the rough, blistered, callous touch of a carpenter's hands on its tender flesh. A baby that would know the feel of the rough timber that made a cradle. And a baby that would know the roughness of a crossbeam where he was secured to it by three spikes. A baby that would know how rough life can be. And it leaves splinters. So here's one of the best things about this gift that we have in Jesus Christ. I'm looking at that. I diverged from my notes a long time ago. Uh, Would you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Because I think in this passage here, we're going to see how Christ's distress and anguish and that moment of despair that he even felt, what that means to us, what that can mean for us. Uh, Chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, beginning with verse 7, Paul is really kind of saying some cool stuff here. I'll wrap up with this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And that's kind of a confusing statement there that Paul gives. But what he's saying to the Corinthians is is that these ministers that he was relating himself to, these apostles... Um, are always going through this anguish and this 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 death in their in in their lives in their service, so that they could experience life, and and that is a reflection of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on a cross; his death was given so that you and I could experience life, the greatest trait of eternity. And Paul says this is really what we do as Christians is we continue to do that. We experience that death of Christ. Why? 
Why do we suffer as Christians? So that hopefully others might hear the Gospel. So that others might know and understand. You know, like Mary said, all these things that were so dark and so hard, so full of suffering, that we meant for evil, or that others might mean for evil against us, God can use for good and bring life out of it. He goes on to say in verse 13, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into His presence. For it is all for your sake, so that His grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And then here's my favorite verse in this whole passage. For this light, momentary affliction, this this dark, distressing life of despair that we experience on earth, Paul describes as a light, momentary affliction. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That is the great promise, that, that, that is the great gift that is this great treasure that we get to carry about in, in these jars of clay. That's how he describes our body, these, these worthless, broken jars of clay. It's filled with a treasure. And what is that treasure? Well, if we go back a few verses before 7, because I kind of cheated, <laughs> go back to verses 4 and 5, or I'm sorry, 5 and 6, Paul said, what we, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Though we live in a dark, distressed, despairing world, and though we are apt to experience that darkness and apt to experience distress and apt to experience despair, by giving us Jesus, God has turned the light on in our heart. It doesn't have to be dark. We don't have to be distressed. We don't have to lose heart in despair. The song says that uh, because of Jesus, the soul felt its worth. There's nothing in this weary world That's going to help your soul feel its worth. There's nothing in the whole world. Jesus said that even if you were to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul, you would never know the worth of your soul. There's nothing about this weary world that can give you joy, that can give us hope, that can give us love, or can give us peace. And if we try to fill the hunger in our restless souls with whatever this world can afford, we find that we remain just as empty 
sometimes ironically we feel even more empty. The more we put of this world into us, the emptier we feel. How does a soul feel its worth? When it believes the promises of God about a Savior. And it accepts that gift that God gives to us, His one and only Son, by faith. That's the only way we can do it. It's, it's, it's not by anything I do or, or have done or can do because I can't. The, the only access I have to this gift is just faith. To believe and to receive. And God says to everyone who believes and receives, He makes them a child of God. That's how a soul feels its worth. A relationship with Jesus Christ and nothing else. Because this is what your soul is worth. In case you're wondering, what's a soul worth? The blood of a baby born in Bethlehem. That's what your soul is worth. That's what you mean to God. That's how much He loves you. And that's why He can relate to you so well. So friends, this Christmas season, if you haven't yet, I hope you believe and receive a gift for your soul. Jesus and nothing but. I also hope that during this Christmas season, for those who already have received that gift, that you would remember there are many people in this life that haven't unwrapped that gift yet. And maybe you're Santa Claus for them. Maybe you're the one that makes it into their home and delivers that gift. Please do. Because this weary, weary world needs to know what it means to rejoice. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for stepping into our lives. Thank you for invading our world. Thank you for not leaving us to our own devices. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your endurance and your long-suffering towards towards our rebellion against you. Thank you for bringing knowledge where we're ignorant. Thank you all, most of all, I guess, God, for being relatable. For being personable. That you're not this... God of thunder just waiting to throw lightning bolts at us but you're a God of love who gives more than you would ever ask for in return Lord thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ so that we can know that there is a way that there is truth and there is life and it's definite because it's been secured in this person this baby born in Bethlehem 
to die on a cross for all of our sins. Lord, I pray that you would bring to each and every one of our households hope and peace. But Lord, I pray that we would open our doors, we would open our windows, that we would light fires in our fireplaces so that the the scent and the smoke would carry out of our homes and that you would bring to Rapid City in every corner, in every alley, under every bridge, to every family, to every lonely person, this same peace and this same hope through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Lord, this we pray in that most precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.